This is the Frogcast. and welcome to the Frogcast. This is going to be the first of two great episodes this week. We have a lot going on. We're going to look back at the Baylor win. We're going to celebrate the senior class. We got some great information to drop for you on recruiting front as well as the coaching carousel, and it might be outdated by the time we hit end on this podcast. We're going to talk about that and so much more on this episode of the Frogcast. Well, as always, I got the whole posse together tonight. Daniel, Jeremy, Jeremiah, I'm Jeff Mitchell. We are here to talk about the Frogs. 41-22 to win over Baylor. Three straight over the Bears. That's just kind of the way things should be. And anytime we can beat Baylor is a good day. But there was a lot in this game. Some of it went right. We're going to just be honest. Maybe we didn't start too strong out of the gate. But we're going to do a deep dive here on the Frogs' victory over Baylor. Jeremy, glad to have you with us tonight, man. How did it feel watching the Frogs come out so flat in this game? Man, it was crazy because you could kind of tell in pregame that they were fired up. Baylor was fired up to get this game going, and four plays into it, it's not nothing. I mean, I looked over at Jeremiah, and we were both like, "This is uh, this is one team wanting to play football, and one team not ready to play football." And uh, it just it just goes to show how good, how much better TCU is now at this stage because. Even though they get down nine nothing early on, they didn't panic. They didn't start making more mistakes. They were up twenty one nine, and of course Baylor came back and answered some of those scoring uh, scoring drops TCU had. But it was kind of one of those games that I don't want to say they were playing down to their level of competition, but it kind of was like that. Baylor is a shadow of its former self to what they used to look like. I mean, it is nothing compared to what they were they look like during our browse uh tenure there so uh it it was uh a good win good win for tcu even though they start slow it's about how you finish and 10 and 2 on the year with the another win over their rival so 23 points uh to win that ball game by you can't be you can't be too uh mad about it you know, I know the Frogs came out flat, but they, they were able to recover. I like the way that the offense finally got into the flow. I like the way that the defense played. And maybe I'm not the only one, and I know I was the only one of the four of us that was not there, but I thought the crowd was pretty solid for a, a Black Friday 11 o'clock kickoff against a 1-10 one in, one in Baylor team. I thought it was a great atmosphere. It looked good on TV. Sounded like everybody was kind of into it. I know the students might not have been able to be there, but, you know, it looked better than a couple of the other games during the regular season. Yeah, it was. <laughs> didn't you think it was a good uh yeah good we were talking about that it was everything was great about the atmosphere it, when we're down on the field before the game we're kind of panicking you know oh man this we hope that uh there's going to be thirty thousand fans here but it really filled up good the students showed up everything was going great until you hear the okay frog fans this side over here go frogs go this is the biggest power down moment of every TCU football game. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't we, think anybody likes that. No. Jeremiah wants to comment, but he's not. He's keeping his mouth shut for some reason. I don't know why. I'm, that's fine. Everything well, that's been said or needs to be said has already been said about that. So I'll just I'll keep it shut. <laughs> 
Oh, well, you know, maybe the team came out flat because of the Go Frogs chant back and forth. Maybe we'll maybe we'll come up with something a little bit better down the road. You know, let, let's flip over to the other side of the ball. Uh, Jeremiah, the defense, once again, did not give up a touchdown in the second half. I know we gave up a field goal, but we did not give up a touchdown in the second half. And, you know, if you just look at your conversion scale, I still think 22 points in the Big 12 is, four, is you know, is, is 13 in most other leagues. And I know that Baylor is 1-11, but dang, Charlie Brewer is a heck of a quarterback. What did you think of the defensive production in this game? I mean, like, you know, we were all kind of stunned at that 9 nothing start, but uh, I even tweeted this out. I think a little. I think it was a minute and a half into the game. It was nine nothing. So basically, the rest of the game, TCU outscored Baylor forty-five to thirteen. Um, and let's be honest here, that could have been sixty-five. They totally let off the gas on offense. Um, but yeah, I mean, once again, very impressed with the way the defense uh, uh, got it together, kind of in the second half. Um, just gave up the three points that broke their string of five in a row with no points in the second half, but. You'll take three. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that uh, performance at all. Um, you know, they uh, made some adjustments. They started getting to Charlie Brewer, eight sacks. I mean, you, very impressed with that. You know, Matt Boson setting the uh, TCU record. Or did he tie the record, I believe, five and a half sacks. He said it. It was so four and a half sacks, okay. and he said it. So, yeah. It was uh, Vincent Pryor, I believe. I was at that game in '94 when he did that against Tech, and he broke there, that there were two guys tied at four and a half, and and then of course Jerry okay. had four, and because uh, I I turned around and asked Mark Cohen what the record was once once Matt got to four, and then he said the record was four and a half, and then once he got that last sack on Zach Smith, everyone knew he had broken the record that That's when right. he got that sack. Well, yeah. Sunshine. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it looked, it's a pretty good stat line now. 11 and a half sacks on the year. <laughs> Never mind, five and a half came in one game, but 11, that, that 11 and a half looks really good for the season. But I was impressed with the defense, man. They they did what they needed to do. They made plays. Um, the freshman quarterback carved them up a little bit in the first half, but they, that, they really made a lot of good adjustments in the second half. Yeah, both sides of the ball. After after the first ninety seconds, it things feel it felt like things started to click. And you know, you're not lying. They could have they could have scored fifty five, sixty on Baylor. And I think we reached the point where we just wanted to get that game over with. I think one of the reasons that that Patterson and Rule were, were comfortable to just let the clock run was, hey, it's not TCU Baylor unless you have a fight. <laughs> so you know, middle of the third quarter. You know, Baylor players going out of bounds, and I, I'm the authority here, so I just want to say that as somebody that's completely objective, I have no bias in any of this at all. Uh, Chris Bradley hit the runner while he was in bounds. That was not a late hit, according to Baylor Twitter. I just want to make sure you all know that. And then next thing you know, it's about a seven seconds delay, and then and then may, a melee ensues. We've got a fight. We got punches. We got guys running onto the field. We got injured players that are somehow able to uh, whip and weave through the maze and get get over there right in the middle of it. Daniel, I know that you love a good Baylor scrap, but uh, what how did it? What did you think watching TCU and Baylor get into it right in front of Baylor on their sideline? Well, uh, at the time, it, 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 you know, I was looking around and, and all of a sudden it happened and I didn't know um, what happened first, who did the first hit, push, whatever. All of a sudden, everyone was fighting. And then uh, from where I'm standing on the west side, um, I'm seeing uh, the players try to run across the field. Coaches, I mean, I've never seen Patterson run so fast to get out in front of them and try to corral them and get them back. Uh, it's great. 
um, I think Wilson made his way over there, and yes. nobody else did. Yeah, Montreal um, Wilson was over those helmet off. Yeah, which is a no no. No, I was really Especially surprised he didn't get in trouble for that. Well, you know, let's talk about what happened or what's happened since then. You know, I thought the officials handled this well. Basically, I'd never seen this before. The entire bench of Baylor, players and coach, got a per- unsportsmanlike. And the entire bench of TCU, pl- all, every personnel over there, the guy taking pictures, they got an unsportsmanlike, which basically means if you get a second one, you're ejected. And with that comes the, the consequences for the next game. So everybody kind of got put on warning. It was not a fight like like we've seen before. It was not a BYU-Memphis fight like if you saw that bowl game a couple of years ago. There was some pushing. There was some shoving. There was some heavy forearms. There might have been some tight fists that were moved in a heavy way, but not a punch. But there's still some consequences to it. Of course, if you haven't figured this out yet, Nick Orr has to sit out for the first half of the Big 12 title game. And then a couple of guys from Baylor have to sit out the first half or the whole game or the first half of uh, – the, the Kansas game next year that Baylor, so that'll be a, man, that's going to be a great game to watch to Baylor-Kansas. Um, but there's going to be some consequences to this. And I hate, that it, I hate that it happened this way, but I just want to say this. It could have been a whole lot worse because if they started to get real ticky-tack in there, I'm looking at Ross Blacklock knocking a guy down from behind. I'm looking at a couple guys in there that are like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shove you with everything I've got. Oh, that was, uh, that was a bit much. So, yeah, Nick Orr is sitting out uh, for this. How do you guys feel about that? Uh, I think it's a bunch of crap. Patterson addressed it. Um, I forgot how. I think it was what I read. It was in a Mac Engel article. Um, and he said, basically, he's going to bring this up at uh, Big 12 meetings uh, because Orr was on the ground getting kicked and punched by other people, and he was basically – defending himself he didn't haul ass across the field like wilson and try to start a fight um he, he didn't want to get in it he just happened to be right there on the side when everyone started pushing and shoving and he's not a huge guy like most of them were that were you know like blacklock and all that pushing everyone around uh i think Blackmark came in there and shoved him and it was crazy Did um, you see? so yeah patterson I, said that that Orr was trying to get Ty Summers and Sammy Douglas right. out that were basically getting kicked. Well, did you see Nick Orr got kicked? Nick Orr, when he got knocked to the ground, yes. he was at the bottom of the pile, and DJ Artist, number 33, who was on the sideline, is kicking him in the head and in the ribs multiple times. And that's what I saw. And like I said on our board, if that happens to me, I'm swinging too. You know, that's absolutely classless to be kicking somebody while they're on the ground. And he didn't even do anything. He wasn't one of the instigators at all. Uh, whether it be uh, the the guy who did the nudge, Blacklock pushing back, he it wasn't part of that. He was just kind of an innocent bystander in a lot of ways. And it's really kind of crappy. Uh, but in, in another light, it could be a lot worse. They could be sitting Blacklock down. They could be, you know, pulling Wilson for running across Collier. the field and all this mess. Yeah, Collier. Collier, yeah, um, yeah. It just could be a lot worse. So, but no, back to your point about the officials handling it properly. I think they did it. That was fine because what I mean it was it was such a mess. I mean, what are you what are you going to do? So I think that was just perfect. If anyone got a uh, uh, personal foul or whatever after that, or what unsportsmanlike, I mean, then they're out. You know, that's fine. That that puts everyone on their toes. Um, and I think you said they'd be out for 
the next the first half of the next game. I'm not. Mark Helfrich kind of tried to clarify that, and he said that only be for targeting or fighting. If if that was their second personal, fight, I think uh, maybe I'm wrong. I think because it was the the second half. I think it's the same as targeting in that if you get if you get caught fighting in the second half, then you like when Bozen got kicked out in the first half of the OU game. I think if that would have happened in the second half, he would have have to have sat out the first half of of the next game. Right. But I th- I think. But the bottom line is, or- Nick Orr is sitting out this game or the first the first half of this next game. You know, uh, his his brother Zach Orr was was online and uh, he started tagging Bob Bowlesby, the Big Twelve Conference. His basic response was, "If you were getting kicked in the head and you got up to defend yourself and you were the one that got punished, how how, how do you explain that? How do you justify that?" And I think he's a hundred percent right. But I also believe that given what could have been, I, I think we kind of got off with a with a slap on the wrist. Do you, do you agree with that, Jeremiah? Yeah, I mean, I do. It, it's it's it really does suck for Nick because I don't think he deserves that. But yeah, if you look at the big picture, they could have lost Blacklock, they could have lost Collier, they could have lost maybe a, a couple other guys. Uh, if Wilson's even healthy enough to play this week, they could have lost him. Um, so yeah, you, if you look at the grand scheme of things, it it, it worked out okay. And but it, you just hate to see a guy like Nick in his senior year have to miss the first half of the biggest game of his life. This is going to be a big loss. Nick is a huge loss for that defense. You're talking. You're loss. talking. I mean this. This is a huge loss for their secondary. I mean this is. This is just as bad as losing Bolson for the first half against OU the first time they played. I mean this. This is bad because Nick is one of those versatile safeties that could play either weak safety, free safety, even play strong. Um, and he he stepped up pretty big against Texas Tech last week. This is gonna this is gonna be an issue for them in the secondary because they're really gonna test whoever gets to come in there and play now, whether it be, uh, I mean, who? Markel, Markel Simmons, Simmons is, is Nico's backup, but I mean, if if Nico's healthy, then he can Markel can maybe slide over there, or they could put Ridwan at weak safety and move Ennis to strong safety. But that's a big loss. You're talking about a guy that, that has played in a lot of football games and started a lot of football games and is really the leader of that secondary. I mean, hey, we're not even Nico, yeah. Nico plays free safety, but I mean, Nick is Nick is really the guy that just is the leader out there among that among that five defensive backfield. To make this matters worse, the, I don't think Nico's going to be back. The way Patterson was talking sound like they're not even sure he's going to be back for this game. Yeah, so that's and oh. you know what that's that's when when all this happened when I think it was Bob Bowlesby that made out made the tweet that said this is going to be reviewed. We yeah, Jeremiah and I immediately <laughs> Jeremiah especially said Nick's gone because they're going to see all him they're going to see that he was swinging in retaliation and, and rightfully so. I mean, anyone that watched that knows that Nick had every right to do what he what he did. Um, but as everyone's yeah. mentioned, it could have been a lot, lot worse. I mean, a lot worse. I mean, you're talking about yeah. you could have lost guys like Ross Blacklock and Collier and, and those guys as well. I wish I'd have known he'd have tweeted that because he was standing on the field right in front of me. I could have run down and poured my Mountain Dew on him. Oh, that would have been great. That would have been great. 
I mean, it'd be worth it. The game was nearly over anyway. I I just want to add, I just want to bring a little levity to this because it is serious that we don't have Nick Orr for this game. What kind of fool comes off the sidelines to get in a fight where the two guys at the center are Ross Blacklock and Ty Summers? (laughs) I mean, that just, if I could think of two guys I wouldn't want to get in a fight in a phone booth with, those guys look like they could handle just about anybody. I think if Ross gets a hold of you, you're done, and and Ty can run you down. So Ross wouldn't even fit in a phone booth. (laughs) No. You got to give not. credit to uh, the TCU coaches, though, because they did a pretty good job of stopping most of the guys. Um, Montrell, I mean, he's too fast to catch. I mean, so, I forgot what coach it was that. Ma- Ver- Vernon Scott was yeah, out there too. He's fast he, too. They, he had to be. I think it was Looper or Gonzalez that was just had him and was holding him back. And I'm like, Vernon, back Our up, buddy. Kate Hod was on TV too, holding back. He's the social media guy. So. <laughs> 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 he's got their own guys back as well. But it, what, what was crazy? He's like, hey, wait a minute. I'm, I'm supposed yeah, to be no filming kidding. stuff. And I hold him back at 240 pound linebacker. Uh, you know, they're they're talking about uh, unsportsmanlike on. He just got engaged TC. yesterday, by uh, the way. Yeah, that's awesome for him. Uh, yeah, he, Sorry, he, they're talking. They're talking about unsportsmanlike unsportsmanlike penalty on TCU for the whole sideline, and there was a lot of guys just kind of standing over there, just watching the whole melee. Yeah, I was I, I was kind of telling yeah. Jeremiah, well, that's unfair for those guys. They were just standing there; they weren't doing anything. Yes, Jonathan Song has a uh, unsportsmanlike conduct. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh man! Well, that goes back to I thought the officials handled it correctly. I thought that that was that was handled appropriately, and it it was bad, but it wasn't a fight in terms of a, a good old fashioned brawl. And, you know, going back, and I was thinking about that Texas-Baylor game in, was it 2015, when Texas beat Baylor to end the season after they had lost to TCU on Good Friday. I don't think anybody got kicked out of that game, and they had some fisticuffs in that game. So This is, uh, <sighs> this is uh, hey, Bob, we need you to review this film, because uh, if we really want the Big 12 to be in this playoff, you need to take a look at this. Yeah. I, I was wondering how – I had us on the clock. We're six minutes in on this. I was wondering how quick we'd get there. <laughs> it took us a little while longer than I thought, actually. Yeah. I didn't want to go there, but I've had that. I have suspicions. I have my foil hat on quite often. There's another one of Mox's yes, that I know has a conspiracy on it. <laughs> well, my thought was if it comes back that Nick Orr and Kenny Hill have been uh, – Suspended. I thought then we definitely have a conspiracy. Yeah, what did Kenny do? Well, we didn't like the look on his face when he stepped out to the hash. Yeah, that'd be only uh, the Big Twelve. Only the Big Twelve. They get something right, and then they and then they just kind of yeah, that's pun on it. That's probably what it was. They couldn't stand it. something. They actually did something well. They had, they had a bad weekend yeah. this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they did. They did. They did. All right, well, let's move on. Before we before we uh, uh, skip to celebrate the senior class, anything else from the TCU-Baylor game on the field, in the stands, uh, on the sideline that we want to highlight before we uh, move on? Last regular season game of the say, year. And I know you kind of had it uh, on a pre-show uh, pre, pre, uh, outline, but Charlie Brewer is the real deal. <laughs> that kid's going to be fun to deal with for four years. So uh, he was impressive yeah. for our true freshman. I wouldn't call it fun, but I agree. I mean, their whole. I mean, yeah. Tristan Abner. I mean, he's he's a true freshman. He did pretty good against the Frogs. Everyone remembers who he is, of course. Uh, and, and and you know what? Mm-hmm. In in the grand scheme of things, 
he made the right decision. He wouldn't be doing those things right now at TCU. Let's be, let's be honest with, with each other and every frog fan. Hey, if a kid if a kid makes a choice that he believes is in his best interest that is above board, I never fault them. Like I know that we've made some jokes about some of those guys at A and M that are what should have come here, and they probably should have come here. But hey, they made that choice freely. As long as that was the choice that they made, I never fault him. And Ebner's down there at Baylor, and he's doing what he wanted to do. He didn't want to play defense in college. He wanted to play offense. Nothing but the best for you, buddy. I'm glad you're doing what you want to do. I never fault a kid for making that choice on his own. It's not always free when it comes to A and M, though. Now I know. I again, I didn't want to. I didn't want to rush there, yeah, but yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's. It, they it don't look now, choice. but Kenny has 19 touchdowns and only five interceptions. Wait a minute! I thought Kenny Hill was terrible. I thought we needed to bench him after uh, the Arkansas game. I thought he was terrible. Well, you probably thought wrong, Jeff. <laughs> I did not. I have been a Kenny defender all year, and I'm proud of it. I was I was the first on, and I would have been the last off the Kenny bandwagon. I've been as critical as anybody last season, but man, uh, I think we all know we're not ten and two without he Kenny. He was Hill, sharp so. this game. He was throwing darts. Oh, he was. His last two games, five five hundred ninety five yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. The no interceptions. That's awful. the biggie right Just there. Awful. Yeah, I have a whole show. We're going to dedicate it to it in the uh, the off season. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the, the the teaser now, so we can't chase the rabbit. My my uh my off season podcast is going to be this. What would everybody think if if we're this hard on Kenny Hill? What would we think about Trevon Boykin if uh, Colehausen hadn't bailed us out in the Alamo Bowl? Because we kind of forget that. Oh yeah, he went out and drank and hit a cop and got sent home. So. I, I think everybody that, that's dogging on Kenny Hill, you need to remember he's done everything right. He's done everything that's been asked of him at TCU, and he's represented this school well. And I am very proud that he was able to play for TCU these, these two years. And I'm glad he's got us to, to the Big 12 title game. So big fan, big fan. All right, let's go ahead and switch gears here. We want to celebrate this senior class. They have accomplished a lot. This is their third 10-win season in the last four seasons for the Frogs. So uh, even though I know we can't compete in the Big 12 after all those years in the Mountain West, the senior class has proven otherwise. We're just going to do a quick hit here and, and list some names of people that we thought did something right. Jeremy, when you look at the the, the offensive MVP of this senior class over these last four, maybe five years, who comes to the top of your mind? Kyle Hicks. Absolutely. What, what, what? Number one, he, he, uh, you know, he switched from Texas to TCU in the process. Everyone was at Texas saying he was going to be a bust because he chose TCU and they weren't going to do anything. And he's done nothing but excelled at TCU's rush for over 2000 yards. It was great to see him get the first touchdown in his last game inside the Carter yesterday or Friday. So Kyle Hicks is my guy. I mean, I, I love what he's been able to do for TCU over the last four years. Great representative of our school. Jeremiah, let's flip over to the other side of the ball. Who's the defensive MVP of this senior class? It's tough because there's some good ones there, but I've got to go with Traven Howard, uh, setting the all-time tackles record in the GP era, passing uh, Jason Phillips. So just kind of the glue guy on the defense, man, came in as a safety, made the transition to linebacker, and he's just a selfless guy that, is smart. Uh, coach P trusts him. Uh, he's like another coach on the field, man. He just he's always in the right spot, and he just he plays his tail off. So I, I think Traven Howard's the the obvious pick there. Yeah, he's man. He has uh, been nothing but a contributor since the day he stepped on the field. Uh, 
when you look at this senior class, who's going to leave the biggest hole? Sometimes, you know, guys that need to be replaced are, are visible, like a quarterback or a wide receiver. But sometimes those guys aren't as visible, and they're, you know, maybe playing down in the trenches. Daniel, who's going to leave the biggest hole and the toughest to replace on this senior class? I've come to the realization that, based on this last game, that I watched today um, pretty closely, that when Patrick Morris was in, that offense was moving. When he wasn't in, they weren't moving. And, you know, we're, yeah, we're going to lose some other guys on, on the offensive line um, due to graduation. But I think Patrick Morris will be greatly missed because he's already been missed plenty this season. Um, uh, not that Schlotman did a bad job. We've already been over all that. But, uh, yeah, he, he's um, obviously a, a, a great a great talent there that, you know, Makes that makes that whole thing work. Without him there, we just it just doesn't work as as well. Not even close. Yeah, that's going to be tough to replace up front, as we've already seen. You know, when I think about the the guys that were going to miss the most in the trenches, guys that played down there with their hand in the dirt. You know, Austin Schlotman's the guy that we were going to miss. I, I think back to when he really had his coming out party was was on Black Friday in 2015 in in the freezing rain against Baylor and you know he beat on Andrew Billings we did not miss a beat they we you know Boykin was able to basically stay protected well and all Austin has done is keep his guy off the quarterback and I'm I'm really proud of the effort that that guy has made you know, we've had a lot of bowl games with this class, um, from Peach Bowl to the Alamo Bowl, and hopefully some, you know, beyond this season. But when you look at uh, some bowl memories, what senior created a bowl memory that you're going to remember, Jeremy? That's a really tough question. <laughs> because the biggest bowl memory I remember is the Alamo Bowl. And I'm trying to think of any senior from this class that just was exceptional in that game. <sighs> That's a tough one, man. Uh, you're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to pass like Family Feud, and you're gonna have to come back to me on that question. Okay. I, I know you asked me before, and I still haven't got got an answer for you on that. Well, I'm gonna go with Austin from the Alamo Bowl. I remember he played really well in that game as well. So if you uh, that's that's you know that's that's a good one. Yeah, I I could agree with that because Austin really came in when when the frogs were up in Norman and they lost thirty to twenty nine. Austin, that's, that's when, when Joey, Joey got, got hurt, hurt yeah. I believe. And Austin came in and man, they they really didn't miss a beat. And as you mentioned, the, the I think it was the next week against Baylor, he beat up on Andrew Billings pretty well. And uh, against Oregon, they didn't skip a beat, didn't have any bad snaps and. Obviously, the offensive line had to play really well that game for them to come back the way they did. So, yeah, Austin, Austin's uh, been a trooper the last four years, and I think he's going to have a great career in the NFL as well. Agreed. This class has uh, beaten Texas four straight years, which is always an accomplishment. They're going to go for the record next year and tie that where they're uh, going to beat five years. But this, this class is going to have four straight wins over the University of Texas. Jeremiah, what, what senior do you look to for a, a great memory from one of those four wins over the University of Texas? Well, I hate to be repetitive with a guy because Jeremy picked this guy for his offensive MVP, but Kyle Hicks, man. And for and the same reasons, uh, you know, he was committed to Texas. Um, he scored two touchdowns against him this year. Um, he, it, I just can't imagine him not being in this offense the last few years. Um, he's been really a go-to guy, uh, not just running the ball, but catching the ball out of the backfield. He's, he's so dynamic, and he really had an impact on that Texas game this year. And uh, it's just really good to see him, uh, you know, 
obviously when you make a decision like that, I'm sure there were people that were questioning him. Why would you decommit from Texas and go to TCU? You know, we know he heard that stuff, but he had the last laugh and he's had a great career at TCU and, and he got to stick it to Texas this year. So that would have to be my, my biggest one. If he had gone to Texas, what do you think would have been his favorite bowl game? Oh man, that's, that's so cold. That's rough. That's so cold. Oh, that's cold. See, that's where I'm. I'm. I'm the fanboy. You guys are journalists. I don't mind saying that stuff. Uh, <laughs> Daniel, uh, guy from the senior class that's got the most NFL potential. Well, uh, I'm kind of torn between because uh, I've had some time to think about it since we talked about it before the show, before we started recording the show. I was saying Patrick Morris, and I still think that's probably a good shot. But also Austin Schultman, um, they're just both really good at what they do. Yeah, I think they're both going to make a roster, and I think they're both going to spend some time in the league. I would not be surprised. Last award I want to give out to this senior class, the most unappreciated player. I love Desmond White. All he has done is is shown up at 5'5", 150 pounds, soaking wet with his uniform on, and gone out there and gone over the middle to catch nasty passes and get lit up by a free safety that's coming to hit him. I love Desmond White. He has, he has had such a great senior year. I'm so happy for him to have this senior year. I mean, he's not going to go spent six years in the NFL, but he has done everything coach Patterson has asked him to do from catch balls to uh, block out on the edge to return punts. And he has been worth every, his return on investment is, is off the charts. So I I've loved Desmond white in what he's done for this team. And I don't think he's appreciated enough. And that's a senior that we are going to definitely miss this year. He has been our most sure handed receiver. I know he, like everybody else has dropped a pass or two, but he has been a sure handed receiver and I'm looking forward to seeing what he, um, I'm just glad he's going I'm just glad that he's been a, he was a frog. That was a great story coming out of high school and you should give thanks for Desmond White. Hey Jeff, did you see his tweet after the game? No. So Mark uh, Mark Cohen tweeted out, "Congratulations to Desmond White for a 1000 yards career, you know, 1000 yards receiving in your career." And he retweeted, "LOL, it only took me 4 years to do it." <laughs> That's hilarious. That is hilarious. He deserved it, though, man. I was glad to see that touchdown catch that he had, that 14-yarder. I mean, because it was – That was Kenny guts, man. That was guts. Pass. Yeah. Kenny gets credit in the box score for the touchdown pass, but, man, that was all Dez. I mean, Dez just followed his blocks well, well and you could tell he was not going to be denied reaching that goal line. He did everything in his, his power – uh, as small as he is compared to the other players on the field, I mean, he just he stood bigger than all of them in that moment. I was so happy to see him get that touchdown because he deserved it on senior day. He did. Two other guys I wanted to highlight that played a lot and had a crucial role, John DRs, Cole Hunt, two transfers. CCU does a good job getting transfers in the door and fitting them into the culture. So I, I thought those guys just deserved an honorable mention. And I think if they'd have been here four years, they, uh, they would have been listed here a little bit more. So John DRs, Cole Hunt. Thanks so much for what you guys did as well. You've uh, come through in some big moments. Well, if you love college football like the rest of us, this is a great time of the year because we are on the coaching carousel. We've got uh, coaches getting fired, uh, coaches getting hired. UCLA has hired Chip Kelly. Tennessee has uh, 
hired and fired Greg Schiano in in the in in one day. We record this Sunday night, so there's a lot going on. But the the one closest to us is Kevin Sumlin has been relieved of his duties, and he is no longer the head coach at Texas A and M. And so, for those of you that like to study contracts, there's a side of it. But for those of us that love recruiting. Maybe there's some A&M commits that might be making the giving the frogs an eye now, or maybe we're reaching out to. Jeremy, update us on what's going on in the recruiting front. Are coaching's changes going to shake this up a little bit? Take us inside what's going on in the Texas A&M recruiting wars right now. Yeah, I think I think they'll still definitely reach out to a few of those guys um, that are on their commitment list. One guy in particular um, where they still have a need at, especially after Jordan Allen decommitted a few weeks ago, is uh, Tyree Wilson. Uh, Tyree's the six, five, he's not real thick right now. He's only about maybe two twenty, Um, but he's a guy that ran a four, six their camp and TCU is one of the first teams to offer him. And I thought for sure he was going to be a TCU commitment. And then A&M kind of swooped in and became the big flashy sec school that offered this West Rusk kid. And those familiar, not familiar with West Rusk. It's a little bitty 3A school, so when you see the bright lights of College Station calling your name, then you're going to pay attention to it a little bit. But I've reached out to some guys and, and found out that the Frogs are definitely interested in him. And Deshaun White's another guy, even though a lot of people think he's going to end up at Oklahoma. Um, I know that they would really like to take a look at him as well. Um, Jordan Moore's another guy at safety. They're, they're still going to go after these guys, and especially – um, a lot of these guys were, were pulling behind Kevin Sumlin and, and really picked Texas A&M because Sumlin was there and some of those coaches. I think it's going to depend a whole lot on, on how the assistant coaches play out over there. If a couple of those guys like Terry Price somehow remain on staff at A&M, then I can see them kind of holding some of these bigger names together. Uh, but TCU is definitely going to put in an effort to go out and try to sway some of these guys. And, and Tyree Wilson's one of those guys because he's a neat position. Um, but just stay tuned for all that because I think there'll be some movement here. If TCU wasn't playing in the big 12 championship this week, I think you'd see a lot of uh, coaches going out on the road this week and trying to get some in homes. I know uh, coach Looper's going to be at Jalen Waddle's house on, uh, or try to get, get down there and see him on Thursday. So, um, A&M was one of those schools that was recruiting Jalen Waddle pretty good. So it, that's kind of a eye opener right there that someone's gone and now TCU might have a chance, even though 99% of the people think Jalen's going to end up out at Alabama. Um, Curtis Looper is doing a great job of uh, recruiting him right now, but it, it could be uh, definitely something to watch over the next few weeks. And, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago on, on uh, I can't remember if it was a Q and a I did with EJ or, something I posted on the board that this is one of those unique years that I don't think you're going to have to go out and reach to fill your class. I think there's going to be some of those players that you don't think TCU has a chance to get that might be committed to other programs right now that they're going to have come in for official visits, maybe not in December, but in January. Um, Just keep an eye on the guys committed to other schools that don't sign in December that are, high targets of TCU. And that way you'll know that those guys are still at least listening. Yeah. With the new early signing day, I think it's going to change a lot of dynamics and anybody that tells you they think they know exactly what's going to happen with the early signing day. They're wrong. No, nobody really knows. I'm, 
I think it's going to be a lower amount of people that sign than, than coaches even think. So I'll really be curious. And, of course, that's going to send fans into a tizzy. So I'm really going to be curious to see how all of that unfolds. But like you said, when some of these guys that, that are committed to other schools don't sign, that's going to be a curious thing to keep an eye on for us as well, you know, for TCU as well as for other places, especially at Texas A&M. Anything else on the recruiting front you guys want to update us on you think our listeners would want to know about? Well, we all know Justin Rogers went down to LSU this weekend. We're going to find out how that went. Um, Justin's coming up December 15th to TCU. And from what I've been told, that's going to be their big weekend. They're trying to get every single one of their commitments in that weekend, uh, the weekend before the signing day, the December signing day on that following Wednesday, which is two days after they leave uh, campus. So, uh, there's other names. Keandre uh, Coburn is another name to watch. Frogs are still going after him some. Um, the running back is still on the board. They're still going after him. I'm not going to name his name yet. I think they're going to get him in for a visit. And Jamar Chase, I know, is going to be coming in for a visit. I just don't know the date yet, but I've had multiple, multiple people tell me that he's going to come visit. He was at Michigan this last weekend, so um, hopefully seeing that uninspiring offense will uh, make him want to stay here in DFW or stick his heart here in DFW because that's – man, they don't know what to do. They don't have a quarterback, and we got a couple of quarterbacks at TCU. So, yeah. Well, anything else on the coaching front? Uh, who do you guys think is going to end up at A&M or after uh, Jimbo leaves them at the altar? Well, it's supposed to be Gary Patterson, wasn't it? I, I had on good authority of a friend of a friend that somebody that was as plugged in as could be that Patterson, they were going to, you know, back, back up the Brinks truck, offer him everything he wanted, get him a nice house outside of College Station, you know, not just a double wide, but a triple wide. And he was just he'd, he'd just come running to College Station as soon as uh, he saw he got a call from him. I guess. Did that happen? <laughs> I was never going to A&M. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, you can't notice the sarcasm font in my voice, that was nothing but sarcasm from me. That was a, a, a bit of mild gloating because all I heard and all I read was, man, it's a done deal. I heard preseason. It's a done deal. Someone's gone. Patterson's coming to TCU. It's a done deal. Done deal. But I think it's going to be Jimbo. There's a lot of people that think Jimbo Fisher's the guy and that – it quote unquote, unquote is already a done deal. How many times you heard this? Uh, all these coaching carousel. Oh, it's a done deal. Greg Schiano to Tennessee is a done deal. A done deal. Cumbie was a done deal to Texas mm-hmm. because you get all the you get all these guys that donate bukus of dollars into the program and they get to stick their chest out a little bit and talk about what they know and you know how much money they're offering ex coach. And they start loose lips, sink ships, right? You know, they, they can't wait to brag about it. And, uh, man, they're just yeah, – it happens every time, every year, every year. I don't know I don't know about you guys, but I'm not even convinced that even if it is uh, Jimbo for a that that's the right hire for that's them. That's not but, the right fit. Hey, like, no. It's not. It's not. But, you know, Aggie's going to Aggie. I mean, that's what they do. They Aggie things up like that and – yeah, Good luck for the I, next I four years. It, I mean, not I, it's, it's, so they suck. It, that program has. It's like it's like I told you guys. It's like I told you guys time and time and time again. If if they were smart, they wouldn't have let all this Jimbo Fisher stuff out. They would have made. I know TCU fans are going to hate to hear me say this, but Gary Patterson should have been their number one choice. Oh, he's absolutely. A Texas, he's, 
He's a Texas guy. He's a defensive guy. He can play defense in the SEC. He'll bring in uh, some good recruits. He's already done a great job recruiting at TCU. He'll bring in the guys around him that make him even better. The and what I mean by that, the the offensive coaches where he where he doesn't know much about offense. He brings in the top minds that he can find. I mean, you look at that offensive coaching staff he's got right now. Every single one of them has been a coordinator at some point in their career and coached many players to the next level. But that, I mean, the the fact that Jimbo Fisher is becoming their coach, I, I don't think it's a, a good hire. If it, if it does come to fruition, I don't think it'll be a good hire for them. And they might say, A&M might come back and say, well, you know, if we want to go offer Coach Patterson $8 million, he, you know, he would be ours. And I told, I told a bunch of guys that cover A&M this, TCU is not ever – ever ever gonna let the greatest coach in their football history walk away they they were not gonna let him walk away without throwing everything they can at him and that's what del Connie did del Connie made a joke what was that the other night uh jeremiah when we're in the post game and, and coach p had mentioned that he had signed an extension and yeah del Connie, del Connie said, said not fast enough was it fast <laughs> enough <laughs> yeah he's just, he's you know that's Del Connie did a great job because he listened. He he knew about all this stuff going on behind the scenes, and um, you know people from A and M told me that A and M did reach out to Coach Patterson, and he picked up the phone. And I told everyone, listen, you're going to hear the reports about Coach Patterson picking up the phone. That's what he does. It's a business strategy that he does. Absolutely. Okay? He 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 does. He knows what he's doing. He's been around long enough. But you got to look if he if he stays around through 2024. He's 57 right now, and 57 or 58. 2024 is basically six years from now. Is he? Is that the end of Coach Patterson right there? Is that is that when he walks away? Is he? Because he's gonna he's gonna tell TCU when he walks away. He, it's not gonna be the other way around. So TCU fans, start bracing, start bracing now. Could be six years from now that your beloved Coach Patterson walks off Amon G Carter Stadium field for the last time. It, 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 with a couple of national that's what I was going to say. I, I think if if TCU wins a national title or gets deep into the playoff, that that'll that'll be the capstone for him. He's he's not going to be Bill Snyder, maybe or maybe he will, but I don't think he's going to be Bill Snyder. So, anything else on the coaching carousel you guys want to comment on before we wrap up here? I, I, it looks like Arkansas is open. Bielema got fired, literally walking off the field. That's that's the SEC for you. Ole Miss is – Dan Mullen took the, the Florida job. So that, that happened here this afternoon on oh, Sunday. Oh, you know, Mississippi State is just crying right now. Oh. I oh, feel yeah. bad for them. I don't. He was there nine years and elevated well, him to something they'd never been before. They should be – they should build him a statue. I, I feel bad for them because it, it kind of reminded me of Patterson at TCU because he does – Mullen did so good at Mississippi State. I mean, we're talking about a team that was, what, number one in the playoff rankings a few years ago? Yes. And, I mean, who would have ever thought Mississippi State being that being ranked that high? But And, and he was kind of in the same situation. He was going to walk away from Mississippi State when he wanted to. It wasn't going to be when they told him to. And I just – it just it makes you feel bad for their fan base because he's such a great coach for that program. And they're losing – quite possibly the best coach they've ever had to a, to a, another sec program. And that's got to hurt. That would be like TCU losing Gary Patterson to Texas. You know what I mean? It would be like that. And that's, I kind of feel, I feel bad for Mississippi state fans for that because 
Mullen is just such a great – he was such a great coach for them. All right, I relent. You're correct. I do feel bad for him. I do feel bad for him. It doesn't look like there's going to be any changes in the Big 12. Uh, coach Bro beat Texas. That was great to watch if you didn't watch that comeback. Texas that Tech beat Texas. Awesome game. Kingsbury is coming back. All 10 coaches. It's stable conference. It was a, a – you know, we got eight teams going to a bowl from the Big 12. That's ridiculous. So, I'm sure somebody will find a way to say it's it's a terrible conference. But um, glad Talk it's about building. Parody. Good grief. Yeah. Uh, Kansas State, how would you like to play Kansas State in late November? They've really turned it around here, man. They they beat Iowa State. This has just been a great conference. This has been this has been so much fun to watch. I guess I just want to say that. I mean, I've sat on my couch and watched you know three Big Twelve games in a row: the eleven o'clock, the two thirty, and the six thirty. And I've just loved watching Big Twelve football this year, from top to bottom. Unless it's Kansas, and unless it's Kansas, it's a great game. Even Baylor. I mean, they they've been in some in some great games, even though they've lost. Think about the West Virginia game. Think about the Oklahoma game. They've really put up a fight, and that's just been a lot of fun to watch Big Twelve this year. Well, we're going to bring this episode to a close, my friend. Uh, it is uh, 45 minutes into the show here. We are uh, When you get done with this one, just go on to the next show. We're going to be previewing the Big 12 title game, talking about Texas and Oklahoma. So we appreciate you listening to this show. If you haven't yet, please subscribe on iTunes, or you can also track us down on Google Play. It would mean a lot to us if you would go on iTunes and leave a review and uh, give us a five-star rating. Of course, it's a five-star rating. It's recruiting. We would really, really appreciate that. And when you see us on social media, give us a like, give us a share. We have uh, record downloads that have been going on with this historic season, so we hope that you have enjoyed listening to the Frogcast. So for Daniel, for Jeremy, and Jeremiah, I'm Jeff Mitchell, and thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast. Frogcast.